Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode on the Influential Personal Brand. This is one of your co-hosts, AJ Vaden here. I am so excited to have two newer friends on the show today that are about to head into a very busy season of launching their first book together. Before I formally introduce these individuals, here's a couple of things that you need to know and why you need to stick around to the very end of the show today. First thing is that this is a married couple in business. And as we all know that brings uh, lots of wonderful benefits and lots of challenges. And so we're going to get to learn a little bit about that. But this particular couple, their business idea started from an accidental no-show on a first date. So we're going to talk about how a business opportunity can really come from anywhere if your eyes are open to it. And then not last, but definitely not least, they are writing their first book. They have been insanely successful, uh, well into the nine figures with their business, which started with some warm cookies because a no-show on a date to a healthy nine-figure business. Now they're building their personal brands, launching their first book. So we're going to learn about how do you go from being these incredible entrepreneurs, being married together, raising a family together, and now also writing a book and starting this new journey of their lives. So Tiff and Leon, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks what for, an intro. Yeah. Thanks for having us. <laughs> we got to have you introduce us everywhere. <laughs> We're so excited. And it was such a treat to learn that we had some mutual friends in common behind the scenes. And I love learning your story. And I loved also getting to like peruse through the book. And I think you guys have really done it uniquely well in the way that you've like outlined these business practices and cookie recipes and all these things that you've intertwined that's just really true to who you guys are. But before we get into the book, we want to talk a little bit of business, right? So um, for everyone who does not know you, so you guys are the owners and founders of Tiff's Treats, which is now a incredibly successful business. You guys have almost 70 locations across the United States. I was telling Leon right before we started that there's one right down the street from our house here in Nashville, Tennessee. We get Tiff Streets deliveries all the time. The cookies are spectacular. Highly recommend them. My kids love them. My husband loves them way too much. But you guys have done all these amazing things, but the way you started is quite unique. And so <laughs> tell everyone actually, how did this business come about? Yeah, it's quite simple. She was super nice and stood me up on a date is how it really started. <laughs> well, we were sophomores at the University of Texas in Austin and I did stand him up on a date, but I did apologize. And the way I did that was to bake him a set of cookies and I drove him over to his house and they just so happened to be warm when I got there, the cookies. And he took one bite and immediately thought, hey, we should do this as a business. Now, keep in mind, we were 19 years old and we were going to college. And, and, and this was 1999. Yeah, <laughs> 1999. And so he said, we should, you know, instead of pizza delivery, it'll be warm cookie delivery. We'll bake the cookies when people order them and deliver them to their houses. And so I immediately didn't want to do that. And I said, no. Thank you. But then we got to talking the rest of that afternoon and he convinced me to at least 
think about it. And I ended up at the grocery store pricing out what are ingredients, how much does it cost to make cookies and what other kinds of cookies besides chocolate chip could we offer? And we spent the next couple of weeks just researching the basics, you know, what, what would be the basics that we would do? And then two weeks later, we opened right out of his college apartment. And, and waited three days and didn't get a single order for three days too. So right off the bat, I already felt like it was going to be a failure and maybe the, even the relationship too. <laughs> so I think part of this is so fascinating to me because how many people honestly get stood up on a date and one even have the courage to go and apologize much less bring some sort of consolation gift. But then more than that, who has the idea after this no-show date to go, you know what, we should go in business together. This is an amazing idea. So I'm really fascinated to know, how did you guys go from, sorry, I no-showed you. I'm, I'm really, I feel bad about this. I've brought you some cookies to Actually, I think there's a business here. And here's why this is so interesting to me, because to me, it proves the point that there is an idea in every single situation. There's an opportunity to be creative and to do something. And no matter what happens, good, bad, or whatever, and I think most of us don't see it, but you guys did. So how did that happen? I think the easy answer for that is we were 19 and you need to be a little bit naive we call our, we call it, we call it young, dumb and naive. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And I think as we age that the 25 year old version of ourselves would have said, no, like that's too insane of an idea. But when you're that naive, you just have no idea the hardships and the difficulty. And you don't think in terms of why we shouldn't do something. You, you're just thinking the world is your oyster. And I think that that was weirdly our biggest advantage is that we, we just were just naive. I love that. So I'm curious, Tiffany, why did you take them cookies? Like why even go back and apologize? Like you could have just easily been like, oh, I'll probably never run into him again. I'll just <laughs> so I should clarify, we were dating at the okay. time. So okay. It wasn't a random, because that would be bizarre to just no show and then apologize and then go into business. So we were dating and cookies was my thing. So I used to all through high school, I would even junior high before then, it was just my hobby to bake cookies. And so when I needed to apologize, I think it came naturally. It's like, this is something nice I can do for him to say, I'm sorry about this. And I certainly always expected to see him after that. I did not think we would be going into business together. But or getting married. Or getting married. Yeah, that happens way later. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that does make a lot more sense. Reading this, because it did say an accidental no-show in your bio. And I was thinking, I don't know what accidental means, but I do know what no-show means. So <laughs> I'm curious, though, to something that you said. Now, you guys have two kids. How old are they? Seven. They're seven. So I have a two and a four-year-old. Oh, yeah, you're and in it. So we're, yeah, we're in the thick of it. Um, but I'm curious, knowing this about yourselves of going, hey, when we were 19, thinking that the world is our oyster and it's more about what we can do not what we can't do. And even saying that maybe our 25 year old selves would have said no. I'm curious to know, it's like hindsight 2020 with all the success that you guys have had and all the challenges that you've overcome. What would you want to instill in your kids about keeping this kind of what is possible mentality versus can't do it mentality? It's funny because when it comes to our kids, we'd probably be like, just 
be an accountant. <laughs> just go into something safe. Like we, you know, we but used you can definitely see why parents do that. Yeah. Right. Cause the, looking back on it, the odds of it going poorly were so much more in favor than the odds of it going the way it did ultimately go. And there's so many chances along the way, one tiny tweak and it wouldn't have gone this way at all. And so I think as an older person, you see that you can see the whole playing field for your kids. So it's scary for you to even want them to have their eyes wide open. Yeah. <laughs> but you should. I mean, yes, you, I think you're right. You, we should absolutely in, in, instill that in them to, to have that dream. And I think that's that's to us to knowing better not to crush it anyway. Yeah. And it might even be harder for us to say, go ahead, do it, because we know what that really means. And we know the hardship. We used to we used to joke about the things that we had to go through to make this business work. You wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. It, you know, it's that stressful. It's that intense. And so it is hard to hard to think that, man, our kids might go through this. But again, you definitely want them to realize their dreams. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I would say it's being on the entrepreneurial journey in our own business. That's like, yeah, there's lots of ups and downs. And I can't remember who said this, but someone said being an entrepreneur is like jumping off of a cliff and building the parachute as you plummet down yes. to the ground, yes. right? That's um, exactly and, it. and you guys clearly have figured this out. You guys are $500 million. You've got famous people all across, you know, you Mark Cuban, you've got Brooklyn Decker, Kendra Scott, all these people advocating for what you guys are doing. Um, you built an incredible brand and for those of you who don't know, it's like Tiff Streets have cookies. They deliver them warm. They're cooked and delivered within an hour of them being baked. We get them as appreciation gifts all the time from vendors and clients. And I'm, I'm curious to know, it's like, at what point did you guys go, okay, I think this is going to work. Like, was there a moment that you're like, I think we're going to make it here? Well, before I answer that, I, I need to clarify. I do, I do not believe Mark Cuban is an investor. We have Dirk Nowitzki of the Mavericks. Mark has been gracious to give us some good advice and everything. But we have Dirk and Kendra and Andy Roddick, Brooklyn Decker. But yeah, maybe Mark, you should invest if you're listening to this. <laughs> it's your chance. Uh, yes. Uh, but to, to answer your question, we still feel like we have it. Mm-hmm. I think, and that may be part of, um, maybe we're afraid to feel that way because for the longest time, that kind of is what kept us going. And so we do need to stop the smell of roses, so to speak, more often. Yeah, I mean, when your goals are bigger than where you are, then you never feel like I've done it, or it's going to work, or certainly never we've made it. We've never once for one second felt that the whole way through. I think there were times when we could see that perhaps one store was viable in the beginning. It took a while. But I would say five years in, what we had always said is we were busy in certain chunks of the day, and then we were not busy in other chunks of the day. And we had said, if we can just get this busy during this time period, then we'll know we've done it. And eventually we did that. And I I think that was the starting point of thinking, well, okay, at least this would work. I mean, maybe, but we always had dreams of expansion. And so I think we go into it in the book a little bit that as soon as we got some our footing under us a little bit, then we would take a next bite, which would then make what we had done now completely at risk. So we never were in a position where, okay, great, we could buy a house and pay those payments and we'd be fine because we always have this whatever. Because whatever next step we did completely could have put out of business already what we had built. But that's kind of the only way to grow. 
Yeah, the the margin is in the risk, right? And so that's the way we look at it. Now, we are trying to keep things in perspective on really stressful days. I, I do think back and say like, look, we're so fortunate to be where we are today. And if you told 19 year old me, we'd be at this stage and I would just say, okay, I take it, you know, but when you're in the moment, it's hard to keep things in perspective. Hmm. What would you guys tell someone who is, wants to venture out and start their own business, whatever kind of business it is? Like if there was one entrepreneurial lesson that you would want to impart on someone else just getting started, do you guys have any idea of what it would be? What comes to mind for me is don't do it unless it can be your number one priority or your number one focus. Because if it's purely a side gig and there are several other things that are legitimately more important to you, it's not that you can't do that, but it's going to be very, very difficult to make that a smashing success. Yeah. Now you can start as a side gig, but know that if you want to make that next step, then it might mean making some really difficult life choices. For me, when it comes to tactical strategic of the business, it's along the lines of focus to one of the mistakes that we probably were best at not making that it's harder to make the bigger we grow. And we see a lot of businesses of all different sizes make is focusing on being absolutely great at a very narrow niche. And especially as you become more successful as a business, there's more and more opportunities and different opportunities And we've seen businesses really falter by trying to get into doing too much instead of focusing on that niche. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy that you guys said that because that's like one of the things that we talk about all the time to our audience here at Brand Builders Group is my husband has this saying, the more specific, the more terrific, right? It's like however cheesy that is, right? But it's like there's power and being known for one thing and then doing that exceptionally well, which to your point, Tiffany, it takes a lot of focus and intention, and you can't often achieve excellence if you have divided attention, right? Mm-hmm. But it's really focusing in on what is it that we really want to be known for. And so for you guys, what do you guys want to be known for? When you think about Tiff's Treats and then your own personal brands as individuals, what do you guys want to be known for? Well, it started and and still is being best in the world at on-demand warm cookie delivery. And we feel that, you know, we have been able to do that. And then we're sort of opening up now a little bit to being best in the world at on-demand gifting. So with with warm cookies as the base, but what we realized it's really about that giftable moment, that Mm -hmm. moment of connection between people more so than it is really just about the cookie, but we started with the cookie. Yeah. Well, we're, what we realized on a, almost on accident that we're very good at is making sure that there's this incredible moment, the intended moment, whether it's you're at the office and you just need some downtime and you and your coworkers order some cookies. And for that brief 10 minutes of your day, it's awesome. And you're talking or you're across the country and um, your best friend has a tragedy or something, or they're sick or something's going on. And you're able to go online and send them a box of warm cookies with a message that's super meaningful. We're very good at making sure that those moments are are intact. And that's what we want to be known for. What we call it connecting people through warm moments. Yeah, I love that. And I think the to me, it's like the ultimate uniqueness in all of that is this on-demand component, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's so easy to have great intentions with really poor execution because you miss this window of opportunity. I mean, you guys provide this really unique opportunity to do it in the moment. And it's 
to me, it's like with the cookies, at least, right. It's like, it really means something to have warm, fresh cookies come. And it's like, oh man, like these are fresh, right. It's like, yes. and it makes you want to eat them right then. <laughs> right. And, and, and I'll give you an example uh, that we put in the book, just a quick story we started to realize how powerful these moments could mean when early on we had someone from a downtown office, an admin call in to place an order. And she was talking to our manager who was taking the order manager was like, Oh, what's going on? How are you doing today? And she's like, Oh, you know what? We're ordering these for my boss and it's raining today outside. And whenever it rained, my boss always loved to tell us a story about when he was a little kid, his mom would bake him cookies every time it was raining at school. So he knew when he came home from school, there'd be a batch of warm cookies on a rainy day. And she went on to say, well, this is the first day it's rained since his mother passed away. And so we're here in the office. We're all going to celebrate and order some cookies. And so we realized right then and there in the on-demand nature, we were able to get cookies to the office Mm -hmm. while it was still raining and the whole company had a moment together for their boss. And so that's the kind of power we see in these moments. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, And thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. that y'all and I think some of this what I love is like the the way speaking of the book right the way that you've outlined this book I think is so interesting um as you look at all the chapters clearly there's business principles and there's all these things but then also you have incorporated recipes for every chapter so this has been on my mind ever since I was fortunate enough to get a galley copy of your upcoming book are the recipes somehow directly connected to all the lessons in each chapter? (laughs) Not directly. We started with chocolate chip because that's the base. And um, that's, you know, you've got to have chocolate chip. So we knew we had to have that one first. And then we sort of grouped them based on cookie. And then we've got kind of a grouping of bars. We've got some truffles. And so they're kind of grouped based on category a little bit more than than story related. Oh my gosh, this is so funny because in my mind, I'm like, what's the secret message behind (laughs) 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 for each of these chapters? And so, okay, well, there's one chapter in particular that I think is going to be really relevant to our audience as we kind of talk about building a business, building a brand. And you guys have a chapter, chapter four, called building a brand. And (laughs) I would love to know, it's like, what is your philosophy on building a brand? Yeah, I think, gosh, building a brand is so delicate. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for us is that when we started, we were building a service and we weren't considering building a brand. And kind of what that afforded us was the ability for some breathing space to let customers tell us what was meaningful to them. And we were able to sort of shape the brand in reverse, not us saying, here's what we are. I hope you like it. But we sort of started with the service and then shaped along the way. And then some of the things that happened during that were really, you know, the warm moments was the, was the biggest shaping piece, realizing why people were using us, not just 
what they were buying or when they were buying, but what it was meaning to them. And that's the piece of the brand puzzle, I think, that's so important to us. And we're the two ambassadors of the brand. We're the protectors of the brand. And there's tons of other people here that are as well. But then there's always going to be along your journey, other people that are protectors of the bottom line, other people that are protectors of the expenses, people that are protectors of the legal. And some of that can be at odds with Mm -hmm. what you want for the brand. And so sometimes it can be challenging, especially if you get to, let's say, the board of directors level. Because they're not there every day. And really, that that's not their role. But it is your role. Because to us, at least, without the brand, you have nothing. Sometimes you have to really fiercely protect. Say, listen, I know by doing whatever this program is that you want to put in place, we will make more money. Or we will save more money. Or we will whatever it is. But I'm also telling you that that is not right for the brand. It's either not right for the customer experience. It's not right for the overall, our connection with our customers. It doesn't speak to us and what we believe in. And you have to stand up and say, we're going to make choices that sometimes don't always make financial sense, but that do make sense for for our brand. Yeah, we always think of it opposite from financially, but cash and revenue today is less important than cash and revenue tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. That's not true when it comes to financial world, but when it comes to building a brand, the more important cash is what is going to come in later. And so we delay a lot of revenue. We delay a lot of sales. We could, you know, we're at 75 locations now. We could be at 200 locations right now if all we cared about was revenue. Mm. But it's the quality experience that we care about and that makes our brand special is the white glove service And so for us, that's delaying a lot of things that a lot of businesses, it takes a lot of, what am I trying to say? Willpower. Willpower, yeah, to to go at the pace that is best for the brand. And so that's really something that we have to remind ourselves the the, kind of the bigger we get. Well, yeah. And I would say that's quite rare, right? It's easy to be tempted into grow quickly, right? Double revenues, double locations. Yes. Um, but growth doesn't always mean scale, but I think that's good. So I have, I have three follow-up questions to this. So Tiffany, you mentioned we really let our clients kind of tell us. So for anyone out there who's listening to this episode going, well, how do you do that? So how did you get that information from your clients? So in the beginning, you know, we were taking all of our orders by phone. So you actually have a phone conversation <laughs> with, with people. So, you know, that's not relevant today, but truly you could hear why they were ordering. And especially, let's say when we started, we were focusing on the university. And so we had a lot of parents calling in. And I'll tell you, they want to tell you everything about why they're ordering. You'll be on the phone 15 minutes because they're ordering it for their college age child. And there's nothing more exciting and, and more fun for them to chat with you about. So a lot of times customers do want to chat, but in a more modern way, um, it's social media comments and people are very free about emailing in. They will email you. They will live chat you. They will put comments on social media. You just have to read them and listen to them. And, you know, I don't know if this is surprising or not, but we get so many positive stories coming in out of the blue and just say, hey, I just wanted to let you know. I did an order and this is why, and it was so meaning to me because of X, Y, and Z. And we get that a lot. It's, it's a fun place to be, to see all this neat humanity, right? That's there. And sometimes you, not everybody gets to see it. Especially these days, right? We get to see it. I mean, that's the good stuff, right? It's like, 
but I love that. And it's, I think for everyone listening, like the, the takeaway is create opportunities to actually hear the stories of your customers, mm-hmm. right? If yeah. everything is how quick can we do it? How can we get you in and get you out? It's like, you're going right. to miss the humanity, the actual reasons why you're doing this um, mm-hmm. and let those help shape and form how the business grows. And I love that. The second thing that you kind of both alluded to a little bit is this idea of being protectors of the brand. And I love that so much because I like one of the things that we believe in really strongly at our company, Brand Builders Group, is that the individuals, right, the owners of the company, it's like your reputation is the most important thing. Same thing as a company. It's like the reputation is the most important thing that you can have. And so to consider yourselves as the brand protectors is a really incredible concept. And so I'm curious what would you tell other business owners out there when it comes to, hey, it's like many people have different roles, but there needs to be a brand protector, someone who's going to you know, create, garner, establish, and then protect the reputation that you've worked so hard to build and other people's opinions start to come into play. Any tips, insights, advice you would give to someone on how to do that? Yeah, I'm going to start really quickly and then I'll hand it off to Leon. But one of our values that we have up on the wall is we protect the brand. Mm. And so I think part of it too is it doesn't have to be just the two of us. So we've got an army of people that believe in what we're doing and believe in those values on the wall and know that we protect the brand is one of them and are there to help catch you when you are tempted or you are making, you know, if you have an environment where you've got people close to you that can do things like that. We recently, well, a couple of years ago, had a big decision to make. And we had people come to us and say, look, the answer is we protect the brand. And there's only one choice between these two choices. There's only one of these two things that protects the brand. So while it's going to cost us $20,000, how are you going to make any other decision besides that? And so it's really helpful to have people buy into it. Yeah. When you set your own, when you set values for your brand that you truly believe in and your team believes in, they hold you accountable as much as you hold them accountable. And specifically what she's talking about is on our milk bottles, we have brand new, beautiful milk packaging. Somehow, some way we let it slip and the word pasteurized was misspelled very small somewhere there. And it was so tempting. We're like, oh, we could just send it out and let someone call us and and complain. And we, you know, we know, and our team was like adamant. No, I know it's $20,000, but you know, we protect the brand, we protect the brand. And, and, and part of that, you have to get really good at being okay with saying no to a lot of ideas and a lot of thoughts uh, distinguishing just because an idea is good. Doesn't mean that it deserves a yes. Saying no to good ideas all day long. And that's really hard for a lot of people to to, to understand because they'll, they'll think, man, my idea was good. I don't understand. But if you say no to every good, idea, there's millions of good ideas. You got to really hold out for those monumental, great ideas. Oh man. I think that is such a good reminder and lesson for not just people in business, just humans. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a learning what to say yes to and what you need to say no to. That's really good. Y'all I'm so excited for this book to come out. This is your first book together. What on God's green earth made you guys decide to write a book and do it together? I'm so curious, like what instigated all of this? I mean, we've been part of it is just kind of getting our story down because we've been doing this for a long time now. This is our 23rd year 
of business. And so we have a lot of stories. And at a certain point, we wanted to kind of get those on paper. We, yeah, we do. From time to time, we do speaking events, corporate speaking events, and we go speak to some uh, university classes and stuff. And we get a lot of interest. So every chapter in the book is based on what do we get asked the most? People mm-hmm. want to know. And that's why it ranges the, you know, from business to building a brand to working together with your spouse and uh, having kids and raising kids. It's because people are the most curious about that. So we kind of just said, let's put in one book, what everyone is most curious about. And so it's from our experience and talking to people, really, what we wanted to write about. Mm, That's good. How has it been? So many of the people in our audience are on the journey of publishing a book, want to publish a book. How's it been? It's great. You know, it's so interesting because it's a totally new industry and you're learning it and there's so many facets to it that I feel like if there were a second book, then you'd kind of know everything. And there's just so many small things that I would do differently only because I didn't understand the process, you know, and I'm like, darn, well, it's too late now. I can't change X, Y, or Z. But if we ever wrote another book, then now I know here, you know, here are the things I I would, I would tweak, but it's fun to, to do something new. If there was one thing that you could go back and do differently for you, what would it be? The thing that comes to mind to me is understanding the editing process better and sort of curating that initial draft in a different way than what we did. And what we ended up doing was turning in something more rough than I would have. And and then kind of the editing process got sort of squished to the end and then in a rush because it had to go to print at a certain time. So I would maybe almost like do an internal editing, more internal editing before yeah. turning in a draft. Because our editor was awesome, but we misunderstood that process, yeah. how it would run. And, and the timing of it yeah, too, timing, you know? Yeah. So yeah, we misunderstood sort of the timing of when do those edits happen and what cadence do they happen? And so it ended up being more truncated in terms of timeline mm-hmm. than I thought it would be, but you know, it all came out great. It just wasn't, wasn't, I didn't realize the, the, the timing. Oh, yeah. I remember when we wrote our first book, which uh, we celebrated 10 years ago in February. So just last month, I remember we turned in, I don't remember how how many thousand words it was, 80,000 words. And like they came back and gave us like 50 and we're like, that's like a third of the book. Like you know, a third of the book. And it was like such a aha moment of you just never know. And it's like, we wrote it as if like, this is going to print. Right, right, yeah. It's like, yeah. indeed, no, like a third of that is going to print. Yeah. Um, and we will so, help rewrite yeah. the other half. And yeah, we did the opposite. the opposite. Yeah. Where we turned in what we thought, we knew our, our word limit. So we turned in about 10,000 extra words to that. That way we've got buffer because we knew stuff was going to get cut. And we thought it was just going to get torn apart, ripped to shreds, put back together. And we were ready for that. And then it didn't. And so that's the thing that we were like, Oh, shoot, we should have turned in something a little bit more ready to go. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we went the reverse and it was a very eye-opening experience. <laughs> that would be tough. Yeah, that and would like, be that's tough. What we were Apparently we're very yeah. verbose and very wordy and we needed yeah. to learn how to shorten oh, things. Oh, us too. Oh yeah, gosh, yeah, the editing process. Yeah, you gotta yeah. truncate what you're trying. You don't need yeah. 10 words to say one thing. Yeah, yeah. That's my that's- problem. <laughs> I, I, I went too crazy with the extra words and commas and run-ons and stuff. So- Since so many people in our audience are on this path to publishing a book, 
I'm curious if you guys were to write another book and you can have different answers on this. My husband and I often disagree. It's a beautiful part of being married. Lots of disagreements. Would you guys self-publish? Would you want to traditionally publish again or do something in the middle and why? Since we don't know what self-publishing entails, it's hard to kind of say. We liked having our hand held a little bit for mm-hmm. sure for, with the publisher. I really wouldn't be able to no. I yeah. Guess. And also since we haven't really, yeah, you know, we haven't gone through the full cycle, but I think I would go published again to Leon's point to have somebody to handhold, especially even from the printing end and all of that. Oh yeah. Just a guide through the process. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that. All right. Well, I know that we're approaching the end of our time here. I want for you guys to have a chance to tell everyone who's listening what this book is all about, who it was really written for and why everyone needs to go grab a copy. Well, the book is all about our story, our journey. And I would say, number one, our failures. We're pretty open about the failures that we've had along the way and some of the mishaps and hoping to give other people some, not tips, but just inspiration and get a little bit out of that of of maybe what not to do or or maybe just inspiration that it happens to other people too. And then of course, gosh, the recipes are really fun and they're very easy. So you don't need to be a baker to pick this up and get some really great results out of the book. And anybody who's also interested in sort of peeking behind the curtain of what a husband and wife team looks like, we tried to be as honest as possible. Yeah, so I, too, I, honest. Yeah, too honest. <laughs> uh, and it's a beautiful full color book. It's a great coffee table book. The pictures are the The baked goods pictures are beautiful in there. So it, it makes a great gift as well. We wanted to have just something that people would be proud to have sitting on their coffee table, but also with substance beyond just pictures. Oh, I love that. Who do you think is the ideal target for this book? I think anybody who, I don't think you have to have a strong interest in business, but anybody who's a little bit curious about business and really just wants to see sort of the honest side of what goes on behind the curtain. I love that. Well, I know from even just spending a little bit of time getting to know you both, and then even in uh, the interview today, I think one of the reasons that everyone should go and check out this book is the fact that you guys created an entire business off of an apology effort and Mm -hmm. creating those opportunities in everyday life to go, there is an opportunity in everything that happens if we're just willing to keep an eye out for it. And then I think the best part of all of this is that you guys are so transparent and honest about it's not easy. Let's (laughs) not kid ourselves. But at the end of the day, it's worth it. It's worth it. We're so excited. This book comes out. What's the official launch date? April 5th. April 5th. So, I mean, we're here. It's like right now. So I would encourage everyone, we'll put this in the show notes, but go to cookiedelivery.com forward slash Vaden. That's our last name, V-A-D-E-N. So cookiedelivery.com forward slash Vaden. They have given us some awesome discount codes. You can get 20% off actually ordering some Tiff's treats. There's also a link right there to go and buy the book. Y'all need to do it. Learn from people who have been on this journey, who are doing the thing. They're building their business, growing a family. Um, Now they're launching a book. Tiff and Leon, thank you guys so much for being on the show. This was awesome. Thank you so much. AJ, thanks for having us. This is awesome. All right, everyone. We'll catch you next time on the Influential Personal Brand. 
That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation.